you've had relationships, you've broken up with past boyfriends, but when you're married, when you have a certain identity, when you think, and someone like me who's thinking ahead, this is what is going to be your life. Not only are you okay with that, but you're happy with that. Not only are you happy with that, but you want that. And then it just gets taken from under you. It just, the rug gets pulled out and what have you. And your identity now shifts completely. You can no longer identify that. I am no longer a husband. I am no longer someone who has a significant other. That fucks with you. Welcome back for a very special, in my eyes, episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. I'm really honored to have this guest on. He puts a smile on everyone's face. I'm sure that will be the case today. He's the life of the party, and he's already proven that he makes an amazing podcast co-host himself. I am so honored to welcome David Zeff. It's really funny that you say all this because they're going <laughs> to listen to this episode and think like, he's not that great. But Stop I it. appreciate it. Thank you're you. Just, I, I do. You're honestly too humble. If I had to say, oh, what are David Zeff's flaws? I would have said nothing. But actually, no, your one flaw is that you're too humble. You don't really? give yourself you enough credit. Huh. When I hear this, I thank you. I appreciate it. That's amazing. But for some reason, I don't think I deserve that. And so I appreciate I it. That's though, why so you're such you. a good person. If huh. you thought that <laughs> you deserved all the praise that people give you, you'd be an asshole. People have a lot of good things Crazy. to say about you. Who knew? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. And so to give a little bit of background to the listeners, you and I were actually supposed to interview last winter, yes. last fall winter. Yes, November. Yeah, November. And I think literally the week yes. that we were going to have our interview, yes. I was so excited. And there was a major life update and we postponed. And so this will come out in August for context. We're recording mid-July. So clearly there's been a long period of time between our initial schedule and when we are actually recording your episode. Well worth it. But before we dive into why, I would love to kind of talk about your dating history and just start from there. And so since we've known each other since high school, so more context for the listeners, we actually like met senior year. We went to the same high school, but I feel like that's when our friendship began. And so I feel like we've had like a chance to meet a range of each other's exes. Of course, no one really like wanted to date me in high school. So like you didn't meet any of my exes until after we graduated <laughs> yeah. high school slash college. But in your case, you were a catch. I remember like girls fighting over you to like ask you to dances. What? Yeah, I still remember. I'm not going to name this person because the last time we name dropped her, she got a little, I don't think she was upset, but she called me out. And yeah, she was like, I wanted to ask David Zeff to the dance. And I told my friend and she swooped and asked him instead. So you were a catch. And so anyway, <laughs> okay. based on your dating history, yeah. do you have like a type? Like how would you describe what your romantic type is? Great question. So first I want to say really quickly, it's hilarious that there are those who think I'm a catch because sure, there were some who were asking me, but I think it's just like, I see myself as you're not going to have a bad time. 
I'm very kind, I'm polite, and I'm considerate. But with the way I see, I guess I view someone who's a catch is more so that they're this extraordinary person. You and are so an extraordinary I person. appreciate that. <laughs> but with my own view of myself is like, pump the brakes, relax. This is who you are. And I'm okay with that. But others think differently. So going back to the initial question, though, of uh, my type, right? When I was younger, I used to say my type is woman because um, (laughs) I I just I knew I was heterosexual and I knew that I just wanted to get with a woman, you know, and that was pretty much like a whatever I could get scenario because I didn't really think so highly of myself. But I think now my type is I like to be with someone who is willing to engage in conversation, even if they don't know anything about the topic or don't care about the topic. Wow. And I think that's really important to me because I like to think that I'm someone who, if I don't know anything about what you're discussing, if you're passionate about it, I want to ask you more about it because Mm. I like seeing your passion come out. That's one of the things I think is so important when you're getting to know someone. Yes, ask them about themselves, but also just like, let's build on that passion. That's so fascinating as opposed to talking about something you don't like, right? Yes. Okay. The reason why I feel like I'm going to listen back to this and I was like, wow, that's, good. you know, like, but I've never heard a response like that. I think that's mm. the most unique response I've gotten mm. to that question. And I think that's a really key distinction between mm. the types of people that you can encounter, because I feel like you have the people who will speak about things that they are a quote unquote expert on, you know, maybe a self identified expert. And I think, yeah, that's fine. You have this expertise. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to speak about something that you are not an expert on and to yes, put yourself out there. That's exactly it. Yeah. And I'm not an expert on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that I can at least contribute to the conversation in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I like to have people around who are not afraid to state they don't know. Yeah. State, I don't really have the information to discuss this at length, but I have a thought about this. Yeah. And that to me is important because. In the way that I view the world, you don't need to know everything, but at the very least, you should have some thought about something. Oh, absolutely. If something is happening in the Middle East, if something is happening in Africa, if something's happening around the world, and it's clearly not affecting you in any way, not even remotely related to your family, let's say, mm-hmm. but you have no thought about it, then I'm just like, you're not critically thinking. I love that so much. And so I think when I give my answers to when people ask, what's your type? One of the key things that I list is someone who challenges me Actually, no. Someone who inspires me to be a better version of myself. Yeah. That can be intellectual. It can be anything, though. That can span the gamut. So I'm like, that's kind of a basic response. It's kind of a cop-out because it can mean a lot of things. But I do really take it to heart. And it's top of mind because I interviewed someone. I was just listening to this episode because it's coming out this Sunday. And it's funny because we were talking about, you know, friendship and dating. And she is someone who's seen one of my exes. She hated the sex. She like (laughs) shit on him for literally 20 minutes of the podcast. (laughs) And I was just like, really kind of down on myself because I was like, why did I date this person? And part of it was I had this history with them. But then now that you're saying that I'm like, actually, there is a reason why you liked them. Like he did push me to like really be more I don't know, like politically involved and like to really like challenge my own opinions. And so I'm like, okay, that's good to remember. It's like there was a key like benefit. There was a reason. (laughs) Yes. I totally get that. Yeah. That's huge. I think it's like really important to date people who like 
challenge themselves. And then I think that goes hand in hand with like challenging you. 100%. I mean, if you're not on this earth to grow in some fashion, then what are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. I actually didn't know what you were going to say because I didn't know what your type was. And so that's like an the, amazing response. The funny thing is I didn't know what I was going to say. Um, uh, <laughs> The funny thing is it's such an interesting question because a lot of times we often think, depends who's asking, right? If there's a guy asking me, then maybe the guy's thinking like, oh, body type. And then if it's a female asking me like yourself, then it's like, oh, maybe I think more intellectual. But the way that I see this is people are beautiful as they are. And so how do you want to spend your day to day? And that's really important to me. And there's a show called Love Island. And oh my gosh, I need to watch funny it. funny show, super funny. And, and the English version, they talk about how, I forget the couple's name. I think her name was Danny, but she's like, I just want that banta. Oh. And so I thought about that. And I thought that's so important. Whenever you're hanging out with a friend and someone says, what did you guys do? And just, oh, we just shot the shit. Mm-hmm. But you had a great time. Yeah. So what that says to me is shooting the shit, just talking about whatever is important. It's a value. And so I want to be with someone who's just able to have a conversation about things they may not think about on a day to day, Mm -hmm. that they may not care about, but that they're willing to engage. That's really important to me. I don't care about a ton of things, but a value of mine is if you're passionate about it, I want to talk to you about that because I like seeing your passion. Yeah. I love that so much. And that I think is really important because a lot of other things are going to fade away. But if you're able to yes. stimulate each other intellectually, that is like a lifelong That's value. That's key at the end of the day. It really is. Because yes, obviously we're human. So physical attraction is extremely important. And it's usually the first thing you see. But beyond that, what's going to sustain it? And yeah. what's going to sustain is being able to have genuine conversations, being able to be your authentic self mm-hmm. and being able to state something so openly, so vulnerable that the person is not going to throw you down, not going to immediately judge you, but think, I should think about this. Yeah. If this is important to this person, and if this person is important to me, then maybe I should engage. Yeah. And that's something that's difficult when you're with friend, family, whoever, uh, your partner. And if they're not willing to engage on that side, then that should say something. Like, you care about this, but they don't care enough to at least ask you a question? Come on. Yeah. And that's not throwing shade at anyone. That's just something to think about. Oh, absolutely. And I think I want to pose this question, even though I imagine it might be the same as your answer to the previous question, because you asked me this question, you and Will asked Mm -hmm. me this question when you interviewed me. And for anyone who (laughs) wants to hear the interview, honestly, highly recommend. I think it's the most drunk. Not I think. It is the most drunk I've been on the podcast. It's the most real Leslie's been. Oh, Most real for sure. (laughs) And the most drunk. Make of that what you will. But you both asked me, is there a common thread between the people that I've Hmm. dated? And maybe the common thread is that they've all been people who are willing to engage in intellectual topics, whether they're really versed in them or not. But maybe that's something that came about later as you realize that's something you value. So is there a common thread among people you've dated? Okay, so I have to think about this because it's been a while, Mm -hmm. right? I just got out of a long-term relationship, very long-term. And very serious relationship. And so I'm trying to think back on my past relationships. And there definitely is. And I don't, I'm not the type of person who is like, oh no, she's so different. There's clearly some common thread. Mm -hmm. Things that come to mind are strong-willed, opinionated. I know there's a negative connotation with that, but Mm -hmm. not in a negative way, just opinionated. So I've been in serious relationship with someone who's Catholic, with someone who's who's atheist, and with someone who's Jewish. So different in that regard. and. 
I think the other common thread is they care deeply, deeply about their friends and family. Oh. And they are very loyal. Yeah. And yeah. there's a great side to loyalty and there's a dark side <laughs> to loyalty. Yeah. And so I loved that. But at the same time, I think it's important to recognize that loyalty does not always extend both ways, right? Mm. And the, the, wow. the, the extent of that as well. Extent, extent. Anyway, I'm a little tipsy. And yeah. so common thread in our recordings. <laughs> common thread. There you go. And so with that, I think anyone I've dated has been so people say they're family oriented, but at least the people I've dated are white so. And people I've dated are like, okay, if you're a friend of mine and I see you as my best friend, you can do no wrong. And I love that. Yeah. But there's also things to that where you have to recognize people are fallible because we're not perfect makes us great yeah and so with that it's like no you should call out when they're not doing something well and things of that nature so all that being said strong-willed opinionated beautiful i think everyone i've dated has been you know just uh, attractive and at the same time someone who is so loyal to their friends and family yeah okay what about you so it's interesting because like i mentioned on the podcast Mm -hmm. My three exes, I, for different reasons, met them, thought they were extremely extroverted, like really into going out, whatever. And then after we started dating for a variety of reasons, all very different reasons, but still, it was like, oh, they don't really care about going out, whatever. And Mm. I say that knowing that it makes me sound like I'm a party girl, whatever. I'm literally 30 years old. Like, I'm not trying to go and, like, rage anymore. (laughs) Sure. But it was just very interesting because it was, like, one image that was presented to me when I met them versus the image that was Ah. presented to me when we were dating. And I don't think any of them were trying to be deceptive. It was just, like, meeting them in a very specific circumstance. Like, okay, so one of them, you know, I met him when we were in college. He was the president of his frat. Obviously, he was going out a lot. And then when we actually dated, he was not that. And like, he's also, um, I don't say this to be mean. He's kind of a curmudgeon. <laughs> so like. Yeah, no, some people are just curmudgeons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm I get also it. drunk. Can't pronounce that word. But yeah, he was a little bit of a curmudgeon. So yeah. it's like when he's out of that, like, oh, I'm the president of my frat. I'm in college. Like, yeah, that wasn't his thing. Sure. And then my other ex, his situation was he was going out specifically to meet women and so I was like, this guy's crazy. Like, uh, how does he go out like this? And then it, I actually didn't know he didn't drink until we started dating. I was like, yeah, wow. that, I remember you saying that. And I was just like, oh, whoa. Wild. Yeah. That's like a little bit of a cat. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. Legitimately. Especially because I remember we went to dinner once and Ariel will say like, yeah, I knew he liked you. He showed up. He was so dressed up. He had so much cologne on and you were going to dinner. And I was just like, yeah, we're coworkers. We're friends. And he ordered alcohol on that dinner like you know so i was like i didn't think anything of it obviously it wasn't like i expected him to like take four shots it was like yeah you'd one drink that's normal and then we start dating he's like yeah i don't really drink i was like wait wait a minute what i know i think that's fine i was also 23 so i still drank a lot when we met i was of course of course and then the third person and again i feel comfortable calling him out because he's been on the podcast i met him in mexico and we always talk about mexico nick we literally talked about that as recently as this week (laughs) and yeah mexico nick was like wild and like the craziest person at will's wedding biggest introvert i've ever dated love nick yeah isn't that crazy so i will say yeah that's like an obvious thread i guess now it's interesting because i feel like my current boyfriend like 
there wasn't this huge disconnect. Love hearing that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like kind of interesting that I'm now at a point where I'm like comfortable saying yes, it. Yes, Not go. only to friends, but like on a podcast. So, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a big disconnect between his introversion when I met him versus now. So I really do think the main common thread is like someone who's going to push me and inspire yes. me to be a better version of myself. And I do, again, kind of feel like that's a cop out answer because that can mean a variety of things. But it's something I value. No, I totally get that. You are right. It can mean a bunch of different things. And so I think it's because it's dependent on the person. I don't like it when someone has some kind of judgment about, oh, you say that you want someone to challenge you and push you, but then what are you doing with your life? You're still in the same job or you're still in the same this or you're still doing it. But there are other ways to challenge, right? And I think one of the big things, and going back to what I was saying is about the banta, that it's important to, at least for me, for when I'm talking with someone and someone says something and I have to then say to myself, and even sometimes out loud, I never thought about that before. That's something I crave in life. And I love reading about this. How do humans make decisions? Why are we irrational? Why do we do certain things? How do we think? How do we process? And so when someone says something and it catches me off guard, that's one of my favorite moments. And so that's important to me because I want to constantly be in a place where I have a thought, I have an opinion, then someone says something and I think, oh shit, I got to reconsider. Now I got to think a little deeper. Now I got to act a little harder. Yeah. So. Well, I feel like we got a lot already. And obviously, this is a dating podcast. You alluded to the fact that you recently got out of a long-term relationship. So to be official and really put it out there, what is your current relationship status? I just had a sip of wine. So if I hit the mic and you hear that, that's (laughs) why. Yes, I am currently single and I am currently single. I don't know what else to really (laughs) say to that. Um, that's where I am. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess I'll be that person and I'll push a little further. There you go. So I know that you're kind of undergoing a divorce. That is correct. And I'm, I'm not trying Next to Next question, like, counselor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to like commoditize this experience, but you are actually, you're my first close friend who's gone through a divorce. Sure. Yeah. And so I think, of course, we're going to like discuss that whole decision and the aftermath. Sure. But I just kind of wanted to like, put that out for there for context as we dive into our discussion. And so I wanted to like begin with a little bit of that relationship history and so sure. kind of going back to how did you meet? How did you start a relationship sure. with this person? We met on Tinder and this was back in 2015 and I was in graduate school. It was nearing the end of the semester, so the end of my program. I'm living in LA. I went to UC Riverside. So I moved to LA, living with two of my really close friends, and figured I should start dating. And there's this new, new-ish app yeah. called. Is Tinder the first like it dating was. app? Okay, I think so. I, that was the first one I heard about. I Me still too. remember. I still remember when I was living with Arielle, and I'm not going to call this person out, but she's like, oh my God, so-and-so from this club we are in. She's like, yeah, like she's been on Tinder. She's been telling me about there it. This go. is 2013. And I was like, what is that? Whoa. Oh, She okay. was ahead of the curve. I did not know it was. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good shit. It's kind of like the first time I heard about Uber. Mm-hmm. This was t- 2013, 2014. Yeah. And someone said to me, oh, I'm just going to get an Uber. And I was like, what the fuck is an Uber? <laughs> yeah. And they said, oh, you go on your phone, you download this app and you get a taxi. And I said, that's the most brilliant thing right? I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember when I learned about Lyft. I think I learned about Lyft first. And I was 
on a date, I ended up dating this guy for a while. I'm nice. shocked that he wasn't like, this girl's <laughs> dumb. But I was like, we saw this car drive by with a mustache. And I was like, I hate this. Tra- like, what are all these mustaches? Like, what a stupid trend. And he's like, he's like, that's a, a ride share. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay, that that's really funny. So yes, she and I met on Tinder and we went out on our first date at some pizza place. And I knew we had a connection at the time because the date lasted for five hours. Aww. But that's not why we had a connection. We had a connection because I didn't finish my pizza. and Because you were talking so much? Because we were talking so much. The banta. It's yeah. important to me. And we had a great connection there and whatnot. And so then it kind of just, I wouldn't say there was a massive spark. I don't know if she would agree. But at the time, it did seem like a this was nice. Let's continue. And that's something I actually want to address really quickly. There, and having now I have to jump back into the dating pool at some point, who knows when, but there's this idea that maybe Hollywood promoted or whoever, whatever, but this thing of, did you feel a spark? And I fucking hate that so much. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I, maybe you don't know this because I listen to a lot of dating podcasts for obvious reasons. Every dating podcast that I listen to has interviewed this one author. I hope to have her on one day. Her name is Logan Yuri. Mm. Have you heard of her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. Have you heard yeah. about like her book? And she yeah. has this thing called Fuck the Spark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I haven't read it yet, but yes, I mm-hmm. have. Yes. And I was yeah. like, thank you. <laughs> yes. That's it right there. I know. Because I think that is kind of like a toxic thing yes. that we see in the media. And I, I, the way that I view it is it's like a, if you don't have it then on to the next person. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, that's fucking bullshit because I, maybe people disagree with me, but I don't believe in soulmates because there's no way someone can convince me that you just happen to have been born at the right time, grown up the right yeah. way with the right income to meet the right person at this exact spot of 7 billion people. How is that your soulmate isn't in China, isn't in India, isn't in Africa, isn't in your wherever. Yeah. And so to me, the whole spark thing is bullshit. What's more important to me is, can you envision yourself with this person day in yeah. and day out and still be like, that was nice. Mm-hmm. And that to me speaks volumes. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm not going to devolve our conversation too much because of this one topic. But if you haven't, you should watch the one on Netflix because it really deals with the conversation of like huh. a soulmate. But okay. anyway... I also love what you said about the fact that you didn't eat much and I'm going to divulge something now. And initially my boyfriend didn't listen to the podcast and now it's become apparent that he is listening. So (laughs) he's going to hear a secret. So in the beginning of us dating, he was always like, you're such a slow eater. Like, that's so cute. And I was like, in my head, I was like, no, I am not a slow eater. I'm a slow eater because a, like we're having good conversation. And also there's part of me that was like nervous. And so I'm like, I can't like, I don't know, like, I don't want to like have a full mouth and then like say something. I totally get it. For a while, it would take me forever to finish our meals. And he's like, that's so cute. And I wanted to be like, yeah, like, I'm just so petite. (laughs) That's not why. Oh, I love that. That's you speak truth here. Yeah, that's so true. Because I think many people have been in a situation where they're they haven't ate because they want to not come off as just like gluttonous. They don't want to come off as just like this carnivore or something just like, oh, we're talking, but let me stuff this food in my mouth. And then I'm not going to talk with my mouth full. I wouldn't do it intentionally, but it was just like, oh, I'm like literally only going to take a bite every like five minutes. <laughs> like when I, I love that's That cracks me up. And, and I love hearing that, especially because 
I know now, like, I'm not the only one type mm-hmm. of thing. So that's good to know. Yeah. 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 It is kind of a sign, honestly, yeah, yeah, of, like, really how is. the date is going and yes. the conversation Because if going. you're just, if you're going for your food a lot, if you're going for your drink a lot, then you're like, I need a pause <laughs> or yeah. this is uncomfortable, this is awkward or whatever it is. But if you're just shooting the shit, if you're just going at it, you know, and just going, 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 then you realize they come over and say, hey, do you want to finish that? And you're thinking, no. Wow. Yeah. I didn't finish a pizza and I'm poor? I <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. 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 That's huge. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you kind of divulged was really a standout to you early on in dating. Yes. And so, like, as you progressed, and, you know, feel free to divulge as much as you want or not. I've said divulge like 20 times already. Great word. But as much as you want to dive in to your actual relationship and the progression. Sure. But I would love to hear what to you distinguished this relationship from previous relationships and how did you kind of eventually get to the point where you're like oh this is my person holy shit okay we're going there that is a great question give me a second to really think about that um to give context to people because i bet a ton of people don't know me so get to know me my handle is i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm actively working on having more Mm self-confidence and Mm self-esteem and so because of that i think at the time I had some confidence, but it was also kind of like, oh, if you're going to give me the time of day, I'm going to give you more of the time of day, if that makes Mm, sense. And so with that being said, she and I had something to where I not only enjoyed my time with her and speaking with her, but there were certain things that I didn't realize that was, if not important to me, that the very least can become important to me. So as an example... I'm Jewish mm-hmm. and I did not grow up religiously Jewish at all. I did not go to Hebrew school. I did not really go to synagogue at all. Mm-hmm. We really didn't have Shabbat. And I attribute that mostly to my income and just my mom being a single mom, you know, just like, I just need to get food on the table type of thing. And I, and mom fucking love you. You're the best. Aww. Um, that all said though, I was a part of AEPI, which is a Jewish fraternity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being able to build a lot of friendships with my brothers, learn more about Judaism. learn more about my people then finding someone who i can shoot the shit with and have a connection about my own ancestry yeah that's something different it wasn't initial i think on her propel it had a a jewish heart heart oh my god the star of david (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, straight up though (laughs) let's go another shot um and uh had the star of david and so i thought like oh either she's jewish or she's just feeding for a jew um so cool either way hilarious yeah like you message her she's like no i just want a jewish guy in any event though when i was speaking with who is now my ex i was speaking with her for the first time and we're talking about just jewish shit whatever it is Mm -hmm. you get a different connection and the way that i describe that or the way that i think about that is so my brother-in-law went to africa a few years ago and he loves talking about his genetics. So, Roland, if you listen to this, you know you love talking about this. Um, and he loves talking about his genetics and where his people come from and whatnot. The best thing that he says that really strikes me is when he stepped foot in Africa, it just hits different. Wow. And so the way that I was with her at the time, oh because it was my first Jew I was with. And yeah. I, again, not very Jew-ish, very much someone who does not really consider myself religious at all it just hit different and so that was really big to me and then it was a matter of getting to know her family getting to know who she is 
having her be curious about who I am yeah. and whatnot, that's really what sparked it. Yeah. I'm using the word spark. Fuck the whole spark thing. That's really what <laughs> ignited started, it. Ignited it. It was started it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's that makes a lot of sense, honestly. Yeah. And I can imagine that having that shared connection when you didn't even realize it's something that you value, that would go a long way. Oh, man. So I work with students, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, most of my job a lot of my job really is just putting things in perspective. Yeah. Because at least when I was in college, it was, oh, I didn't do well on my quiz. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. And it's really just having someone to talk to you to be like, no, what you did on this quiz does not equate at all to your ability to do well in anything else. Sure, for this one quiz, maybe you didn't study, whatever it could be. But a lot of times it's just providing perspective. And so now I'm at an age to where I think I have a little more perspective. And so Looking back on and going back to the question of what is your type, mm-hmm. it's important for me to think like, what is it that there's something that I didn't realize that was important to me? And moving forward, I don't need someone who's Jewish. Yeah. What I need is for someone to be curious. What I, I need love is for so much. What I need, yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's true though. Yeah. What I need is for someone is to be ask me questions about what it's like to grow up, quote unquote, Jewish, but not go to a synagogue, yeah. not go to Hebrew school. To go to a Jewish fraternity, but then in comparison to your Jewish brothers, you're very much like, what the fuck is going on? What is this ritual? And so it's so important, I think, for anyone to come away with this thought of, is this person being curious and not judgmental, being curious about how I grew up, what I think, and how my ancestry has impacted the way I view the world? That's huge. That's really huge. (laughs) huge. Dropping bombs yeah, all day. Literally. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's been a lot that has happened in the last year, obviously, about race and conversations yes. about race. People have thought about it in a way they never have before. And I just think like my current boyfriend, the last person I dated before that, like we've had actually conversations about that. Like neither of them are black. Sure. So I think they've been very open to Good. discussing all of that. And that's really important. I feel badly saying this because it's going to make this person sound like an asshole multiple times during the pandemic. And as this whole conversation about race was going on in this dialogue, I was like, I literally can't imagine dating this person because he pushed me intellectually and Mm -hmm. was intellectually curious in a lot of ways. I don't know how the conversations would have gone. Oh, and so, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I appreciate you bringing that up because half my family is black. I think I'm very fortunate to be in a position where race is constantly talked about. And I love it because it's a way for me to not just challenge myself, but it's a way for me to learn. Mm -hmm. But all that being said, it goes to the point of if you're with someone and that person is not willing to, at the very least, think about how this can be indirectly affecting you, then there's something that's not good there. And Mm -hmm. so with that, the last person I was with, something that I do want to give her credit for is because my family is black and because my family has had some horrific experiences and what have you, Mm -hmm. that they're willing to talk about race, even though they have no direct experience, even though they, they may come from such a different society and culture and what have you, that they don't really relate, but they're willing to have the conversation. And to me, that's everything it's that's huge. how you will learn yeah right there's something to be said of you're not knowing how the conversation would have gone there's something to be said of how deep could you really go with this person yeah that's important to me whenever i 
get back on the saddle and whatever the expression is. And I go out. It's important for me to find someone who is willing to have conversation that has no true direct impact on how they operate and how they think. Yeah. You need to at least have the conversation. You don't need to literally align point by point at the end of the day. It's kind of like, and this is the first time I thought about this. This is funny. The way I think about how you argue with your friends about sports. Mm. And so you are, I'm, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. I have friends who are Los Angeles Lakers fan. And so we, we go at it and we talk shit all the time and Mm -hmm. blah, 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 this and that. And we just go back and forth. The thing that it comes back to is you're willing to have the conversation. You don't agree with them. Kobe is not the best. Everyone who says that, no, fuck that. Michael Jordan. But nonetheless. We're going to move past that. Yeah, we'll move past that. (laughs) But all that being said, it's just you're willing to have the conversation. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's everything. Because what that says to me is you're willing to know that you don't know. Okay, my mom, she has this phrase. I won't like go through the whole thing. And I'm also going to butcher it if I go through the whole thing. I think it's a proverb. She didn't make it up. But the end point is he who knows not and not can be double entendre, N-O-T or Mm. N-A-U-G-H-T, like nothing. He who knows not and knows not, he knows not is a fool. And so it's like the preface to that is like he who knows not and knows he knows not. I don't know what the definition of that is, but like that person is salvageable. Yes. If you don't know shit and you think you're like, oh yeah, like I'm in a good place. I don't need to educate myself. Then you're fucked. You're You're, you're done. Completely agree. I think it was Socrates who said, I know that I don't know or something of, I butchered it, but something like that. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so important because to me, it's so nice to hear someone who, when I'm talking with them and before they state their opinion, and I don't want to hear their opinion. Before they say it, they go, I don't know. But this is what I think. And yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. That to me is everything because it's really upsetting when you find them. I'm sure we found many people mm-hmm. who have said things where they don't really know, but they're so confident in themselves. It's they're so, they come off as someone who's like, I am just so experienced. I'm someone who just, I'm so learned. I, I know everything. I actually hate those people. Me too. I feel like I get along with most people, but when someone is so cocky like that. I can't do it. I, I can't cannot. do it. And you know what the worst part is? The worst part is that when they say something and then you do research on it and you find that they're wrong, now your thought about them is, I can't trust anything that you say. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. I think it's like this funny millennial thing. And I think even we are guilty of it, right? Because we both were like, I kind of know this quote. I don't know the exact quote. I feel like it's very millennial to be like, I saw this headline. I didn't read the article though. But I think that's like, admit it. Own up to it. I do that literally all the time. I get so many notifications. I'm like, I don't have time to read this. But that's interesting. And I want to talk to someone about it later and like learn more. Yeah. But like, I think the worst type of person is the person who like sees the headline and that's their takeaway. And they're like, oh, I'm an expert and I can extrapolate everything I need to know from this headline. Yep. Okay. Well. Diving into married life. I think married life as a whole for someone who's within our age range is still something that's fascinating to me and that's like kind of an enigma. (laughs) And so I feel like I would love to hear about your experience. And one question is, you'd already started this life together. You literally had a pet. Two. Two pets. Yeah. Wow. So how did the relationship dynamic change after you married each other versus when you just lived together and had pets? Okay, so ooh, I gotta think about where to begin. I really like this question a lot 
because a lot of times I've heard from many people before I got married, nothing changes. I've heard that too. And I push back on that because I understand the reason. If you're already living together, Mm -hmm. you already have especially a pet, you know, something to care for beyond you too, Mm -hmm. then I get that. Yeah. And if you're already, you're good with the families and you're already going to all these events together and all these things, you're already growing, you already have your life set out, you know, you plan the next 50 years, whatever. But the thing that I push back on is there's clearly a change because Mm -hmm. the change is not just in the eyes of the law. But it's how you talk about that person and the words you use. Oh, wow, yeah. And I think as much as people will say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words <laughs> never hurt me. Um, bullshit. Yeah. Words have power. Mm-hmm. And I'm actively in a place now where I'm, we talked about this earlier, where I'm trying to say, not say if I find someone, but mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I find someone. Yeah. So words have meaning and power and they hold weight. So I think from my own experience, it changed me getting married, changed the perception of how I view myself in the world. Mm. I'm no longer David Zeff. I am now David Zeff and that's that's how I view it. And so now it's a matter of the way I move forward is, (laughs) so here's an example for everyone out there. I'm sure you're at a company, organization, whatever, wherever you're working, and you're like, okay, you now represent the company. You now (laughs) represent this. And it's just like, okay, shut the fuck up. You know, that shit pisses me off. It really does. But there's reason to it. And I understand the reason to it. I take that into the way I view marriage of you now represent the marriage. Whatever you do is no longer solely an effect on you mm-hmm. it is now an effect on your significant other yeah and to me that's extremely important so that's another reason i've never been someone who's just gonna go fucking belligerent and streaking or whatever <laughs> not, that's not that's not who i am right but <sighs> now there's even more reason not to because it's not just affecting me if i go to jail who's bailing me out wow. if i do something who is there for me yeah and so i think it's important to recognize that when you get married, it's no longer this thought of, oh, I had a girlfriend and now she's an ex. It's now, oh, I had a wife and now I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. And that's very powerful. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing I want to say to that is I've learned a lot in my career, and especially in graduate school, about intersectionality of identities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I did not know I was going to jump into this so quickly. Ooh, mm. that wine is good. Um, <laughs> So with that, my identity was completely enmeshed in the way that I viewed myself with my significant other. Mm -hmm. And so anything and everything I did was no longer David Zeff is doing this. It's now David Zeff and. Yeah. And that to me was so not just important, but it held so much weight. So if I'm going to go and hang out with friends, it's not just, oh, you got to check in. But it's more so about what is the impact this is going to have on my significant other. Yeah. And I don't know if that's healthy or not. I really don't know. But that's just the way I view things. I think it is healthy because obviously I haven't been married. But in the past, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what is the difference between being exclusive and being someone's boyfriend or girlfriend. Mm. And it took me a long time to kind of think of my own personal definition of this because I think when you are single, 
there's these steps that you take, especially in modern dating, if you're dating someone who maybe isn't ready for a relationship, whatever. And for me, the way I personally defined it, I'm sure everyone has their own definition is like when you are exclusive, you're saying, I respect you enough to not hook up with anyone else. Yes. But if things get difficult, I have no commitment to you. I'm out. Whereas if you say I'm going to be in a relationship with you, it's below marriage, obviously, but you're still saying, you know what? Like I've committed to trying to make things work. And so there's kind of more of an expectation from this person. And then there's also conversely an expectation of myself to this other person. And there's an expectation of everyone who's surrounded in that mesosphere, if you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Like it's unfortunate, but it's the truth that when you get into an exclusive relationship with someone, whether that be boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, what have you, that it's not just you and that other person. It's now you and that other family. Yeah. Friends included. percent. And so I think that's important for people to realize. And that's something about me where I wish if I could go back to past Zeph, one of the things I would tell this dude is your idea of getting exclusive is not how the world sees it. Mm. My idea of exclusivity was this is it. This mm. is end all be all. I say I love you to you. That is for the next 60 years. Wow. It's not. I love you. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. No, that's not how I view it. Even the fact that you attribute exclusivity to saying I love you. For me, I'm like, oh, we're exclusive. There's no way I'm going to say I love you unless we're boyfriend, (laughs) girlfriend. Great point. I think with that is, I'm very curious what you think. It took me seven to nine months Mm. to say I love you to the person I was exclusive with this past relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a long time or not. But to her is a long time and to others I've talked to is a long time. The reason it took me so long is because my mindset is I do not say those words lightly. Oh, same. If I tell you I love you, that is it. And so I've said to my ex-wife, and I've never really shared this before. This is funny. I've said marriage to me is not as important as saying I love you. Wow. And marriage to me, yes, eyes of the law, families coming together, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. You have a ceremony and tradition is important and all of this and symbolic. But to me, it's really about once I utter those words, if for some unforeseen reason that we cannot get married, I don't give a shit mm. because I know how I feel Aww. and I am confident in that feeling. Yeah, And so that's why it's difficult for me to say those words when I'm first starting to date someone. Because I'm like, I need to be serious. Because then if you're just throwing it out and then you're just like, oh, and in the six months we broke up, it's meaningless. And that's bullshit to me. Personally, now I'm getting heated. Fuck that. That's bullshit to me. I agree. And it takes me a longer time to say I love you Mm. to people as well. I read this quote, again, millennial me, like, I don't remember the exact quote. (laughs) Love it. It was years ago. And the sentiment was, I wish... I love you were like a 26 letter word or something, because then people would take more time to think before they said it. I hope that you find that quote and send it to me yeah. because I love you seems so easy and I don't like that personally. I would hope that saying I love you would be a little, little more difficult for people because then you're putting a little more meaning behind it. It's not just a matter of, oh, I love you few months later, ah, uh, you know, we didn't, blah, blah, blah. It's like, a no, I love you. I'm going to find a way for this to continue to work until yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. 
I think that's really powerful and valuable. And I do think more people need to take down that. I also think really quickly that for anyone who's like, yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah, totally. Know this. Not everyone agrees with that, first of all. And secondly, I put myself into a situation of once I hear those words, I am set. I'm good. The relationship is golden. We're good. We're now going on to this and that. That's not always the case. It is not. It's it's, not. And it's difficult. And because of that, it's important to, even after you say I love you, in my opinion, to still have the conversation about how are we? Yeah. How are you? Are you happy? Do you feel you're growing? Do you feel like you're advancing as a person? Do you still feel individualistic while in a relationship and being interdependent? And one of the things, and this is a cliche and communication is everything, but it is true because it's not just a matter of communicating in terms of me talking to you. It's a matter of understanding the other person. It's about listening and thinking, I thought a certain way. You're telling me something I should now take that into consideration and potentially think differently. Yeah. And so when you say I love you and the other person says I love you, that doesn't mean that your I love you is the same as theirs. So hear them out. Constantly ask questions. Be curious and be willing to be vulnerable. And that's the end of the podcast. It was great, everyone. And that so could be the end of the I feel like we dove into so much, but I'm like, no, no, no. I have so many more questions. Oh, yeah, for I you. love it. Let's do it. But I mean, just to like touch on that for a little bit longer, I think that's really interesting because before my current boyfriend, the last person who I said I love you to, I remember like I think I said it for the first time. I'm like embarrassed to admit that because mm. like there's part of me that's like, no, like the guy should say it first and you can dive into it's that very to real whatever thing. you want. Sure. Or, like whatever. I also said it at a time when we weren't in a good place. And so I'm like, did I love this person or was I like trying to like advance the relationship forward? Yeah. The first time he said it, I remember he was drunk. And I I remember being like, you don't mean that you're drunk. And I was drunk too. But I was like sober enough to be like, fuck that. I don't accept it. And then the next morning he said it, we had like had a fight that same night. And he said it and I was like, oh my God, really? You weren't just drunk? (laughs) I was like. Everything about what I'm describing, I'm like, it's so fucking toxic. And I yes. can't believe those are the parameters under which we exchange that. Reflection is the way we learn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So were there any aspects of being married that differed from your expectation before you were married? Oh, I'm very much someone who's just like, what's the next step? But what's linear, right? What's coming next? And so the expectation of marriage was... Now that you're married, when are you creating a family? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure everyone's heard this. Oh, you're married. When are you going to have a kid? Yeah. And yes, I hate that. But that doesn't mean that's not an expectation, right? Yeah. And so the expectation that changed was really now about thinking, what are we going to build and how are we going to build it? Mm-hmm. And so okay. a big thing for me is, so I used to work at UCLA, go Bruins, um, <laughs> yes. you know, fuck USC. Sorry, yeah, everyone. Wow. Who went to, sorry. I was going to say, but I was like, that's unprofessional. You know, that, that, that you is, said it. Yeah, that is. And so, Megan, if you're listening to this, Will's <laughs> Megan. Love you, Megan. But fuck USC. Fuck USC. I got to say that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so anyway, um, once you say like, I got my first job out of my grad program, a legitimate full-time job, that is. And I mean, love is not even the right word. I mean, I adored it. I was Aww. the best. I, I felt like I was scared shitless Mm -hmm. because i'm talking to not just professors but physics professors of all professors 
just the ones who were just absurdly genius yeah. and, like so intellectual and so i had to work with them i worked with my boss who's just one of the best people i've ever met in my life and i actually think it kind of ruined me because <laughs> now looking forward is if i don't have a manager like her then it's going to be difficult yeah. for me to have any other kind of manager and i love my manager now yeah but she was just unbelievable and i had an amazing co-worker so it was a great environment i, yeah. I was very fortunate and blessed and what have you Coming from Texas, we say blessed a lot. Aww. So that got into my lexicon or <laughs> I don't know. Damn, David, your vocabulary has just been knocking it out of the park. You know what it is? I've rediscovered reading. Mm. And I love audiobooks, yeah. but I've actually rediscovered reading yeah, a book. That and so is I, I'm doing different. that both. So all that being said, I had a position at UCLA that I loved and I adored. And then my at the time girlfriend who then turned into a fiance, got a position in another city. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that we couldn't give up. Yeah. And so when she told me this, I thought my career was set. Mm -hmm. I really did. And then she told me this and I thought like, shit. And I'm very honest. I'm like, man, I'm sad because mm. I love what I do. I love where I am. But this is a great opportunity for you and mm -hmm. I can grow with you. And yeah. so I then left my position at UCLA. And we went on to another city and I had to find something new. So the expectation was that I'm going to allow her to grow and develop herself, which is true. But the reality was I put myself on the back burner, mm. which is not horrible. But when you do that, it's tough yeah. to think about yourself yeah. and to think like, how are you? Not mm. just where are you in terms of professional development not just where are you in terms of relationship but how are you and a how are you question is very much about a day-to-day -day. and i've come to realize looking back on it that how i was was <laughs> you used the word earlier a curmudgeon mm -hmm. i was very much a just get a job got a job go to work leave work hang out with the dog until we get the second talk mm -hmm. and then wait till the the fiance gets home cook dinner together hang out go to sleep wake up the next day and so the expectation now of being married was, this is it until we have the kid. And the reality was, I'm not happy. But I kept thinking that, oh, man, this is going to be sad. And I'm getting a little emotional. It was okay for me for months to go by without actually feeling involved mm. or a participant. Because mm. I just felt this is for the common good. For mm. This is for something that's better in the future. Yeah. And I kept thinking like, yes, I love my students. I love who I work with. But I wanted something for myself that was more. That being said, let me put myself onto, quote again, the back burner. Let me put myself as number two because I want to promote this person up more and just continue to, all right, let's just get through this month. Let's just get through the next week. Let's just get through the next day. Because at, by, and, by and large, I was, quote unquote, happy spending time with my dog spending time with her spending time with some friends but at the end of the day i never really thought to myself are you becoming the person you want to become and that to me really was difficult to ask yeah and then difficult to answer every now and then i asked myself but by and large i was like i don't really need to think about this let me go and hang out with the dog smoke talk to her let me get my mind off of this I never actually mm -hmm. brought to her, nor did I bring to others, am I where I want to be? And that has nothing to do with 
my students or who I worked with, who I adore. They're amazing. They challenged me. But it had to do just with myself. Yeah. And I'm now at a position where I can ask myself this question. But if you were to talk to me when we initially were supposed to have this back in November of 2020, mm. that would never have come up. So you mentioned November of 2020 specifically. And one of the questions that I had is like, when did you start to notice differences in your relationship, difficulties in your relationship sure. that differed so vastly from your expectation that it was clear that it was an issue? The pandemic was hard. Mm-hmm. When I really noticed was probably October. And the reason I say that is because there were some things that occurred and I started to think we are no longer on the same page. We are no longer on the same wavelength. That being said, I'm someone who thinks ahead. Mm-hmm. And I, it's hard for me to stay in the moment. I yeah. am pretty confident that I have social anxiety. Mm. And I'm very anxious pretty much all the time. You and I are good friends. We don't talk all the time, but when mm-hmm. we do, it's easy. Yeah. But even so... I'm anxious. Even when I, I was hanging out with my buddy Kazoo earlier, yeah, love him. And he yeah. and I have known each other for years. so close. I love Kazoo. Kazoo's awesome. Anxious. It does not yeah, matter. I didn't I, know it was that degree. I, I am an anxious, anxious, anxious person. And I'm certain that once I start talking to a therapist and mm-hmm. psychiatrist, that they're going to be like, yeah, you need some medication. And I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. I, if, if that does help, I'm okay with that. That being said, because I'm this anxious person, it's difficult for me to stay in the moment. Mm. And a lot of me is about just get through this, just get through this. And we're talking on this podcast right now, and I'm having a great time. I'm loving it. And the alcohol has helped totally <laughs> loosen me up, right? Nonetheless, though, I'm constantly in my head battling myself currently right now of enjoy the moment, enjoy the moment, mm. enjoy the moment, as opposed to oh, let's finish this and then just look back on it. Yeah. And my entire career, my entire life has consistently been get through it because of how truly difficult it is to be in that moment. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to recognize what's good and what's bad Mm. in the moment. And I'm constantly thinking ahead. Let me just find a way to get ahead. And so... Whether or not a red flag has presented itself, I can rationalize and rationalize if anyone has watched House is just lying to yourself. Whether or not I can just rationalize to myself about how to get past this and move forward, that that is how I operate. And so the red flag that comes about is just really more so, okay, there's a red flag. Now let me think, how do I want to get to X, which is a day away, a year away, five years away? Let me just get through this moment. And that moment is not good. And you should not consistently be mm-hmm. in that moment. Again, I forgot the question. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Honestly, because direct question doesn't matter because I okay. think this moves the conversation forward. Sure. I think a lot of people are like that. I think society overstigmatizes divorce because yes. I think you might say, yeah, like my parents have been married for like 30 years. Oh, yeah. Are they happy? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then that's a failure. Yeah. And yet we, as a society, might look at divorce and say, oh my gosh, they divorced. That's so horrible. Mm. And it's like, actually, maybe not. Maybe this person is happier than they've ever been. Yeah. 
So I think that what you've described, it's not unique to you. There are clearly a lot of people who have these thoughts in the back of their mind of, yeah, I don't know if I'm really happy and I'm not really putting my needs first. I'm really just putting societal expectations and the needs of my partner ahead of myself. So as someone who has really identified that this is something that you've struggled with, how did you kind of get to a place where you felt comfortable saying this is not serving my needs and I need to move on? versus really actively fighting to save the relationship at all costs? Oh, that is an incredible question. Wow. I have never been asked that before. How do I answer this? I think what happened was I continued and I hope I'm not talking shit. And I think she continued. I think we both continued to try to move us forward in the relationship. And then it got to a point where I used to say to her, maybe to others as well, once I no longer care, I know I've said this before, and this mm. is the weirdest thing in a relationship. Like, if we're fighting, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Because fighting means that you have some passion about it, you care about it, right? And so when we were fighting, at least early on in the relationship, I used to, I used to, <laughs> well, I forgot this. Wow, I forgot this. I used to laugh. She's like, and that would obviously piss her off. She's like, why the fuck are you laughing? I would say, this is good. We care so much. Yeah. Yeah, that's not necessarily great, but there is some some truth, right? And so it just got to a point where I clearly did not care enough to keep the fight going. Yeah. And so when I come out and say to the effect of, well, then it's over. If you know me, you will know that that's not something I would say lightly. It's not that I was consistently always thinking about. It's just more so I came to the realization that there is no longer something that we can grow together. Wow. And that was by far, far none. And my dad has died when I was four, but by far the hardest moment of my life. I mean, there's nothing else. You've had relationships, you've broken up with past boyfriends, Mm -hmm. but when you're married, when you have a certain identity, when you think, and someone like me who's thinking ahead, this is what is going to be your life. Not only are you okay with that, but you're happy with that. Not only are you happy with that, but you want that. Mm -hmm. And then it just gets taken from under you. It just, the rug gets pulled out and what have you, and your identity now shifts completely you can no longer identify that i am no longer a husband i am no longer someone who has a significant other that fucks with you and so it came to the realization for me that when i said that and at the time i didn't know but reflecting on and we learned through reflection as i said before reflecting on i realized i didn't say that lightly it was something that needed to be said and obviously, there's a catalyst that brought it about, but there was something within me to where it had to come out. It was easily the toughest moment of my life. And then thereafter, the toughest moments of my life. And fuck, it is not at all something that you would expect having gone through relationships and having gone through breakups and then having gone through something like this. And I'm not saying this is the worst thing in the world. Please, I think this, but for the audience as well, to know this, 
there's clearly worse things, but it completely altered my perception of who I am. Yeah, yeah. I don't process information quickly. Like, I know who I am. I know that I think slowly. Mm -hmm. I need to process the information. I need to go through the work and whatnot. That when I say something, I try to really mean it. Yeah. I feel like we're really similar in that regard. I feel the same way about myself. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I think to your point, I don't think you're trying to by any means say this is the worst thing that could happen to anybody. Yeah. But anything that changes your worldview of where the trajectory of your life is going, that's going to rock you. Yeah. That makes sense. And so I think that is completely fair. And especially Mm. as someone who like tries to optimize whatever situation they're in. But I just really want to go back to saying like, the brave thing to do is to reevaluate your situation. I like that you said the brave thing to do. It's the way that I operate. If we're YOLOing, if we're really mm-hmm. only living one life, then you really should always try to optimize the time that you have. Because at the end of the day, as a cliche goes, all you have is time, right? And so I'm constantly trying to put myself in a position of how am I growing from this? How am I learning from this? And you truly need to be able to think, okay, this is going to be hard. But I need to think about what happened. I need to think about how I was. Because mm-hmm. I can attribute a lot to what she did, a lot to what, what occurred. But at the end of the day, I have agency. Mm-hmm. I need to attribute a lot of what I did. Because at the end of the day, if I want to truly become a better person, to truly grow, then I need to think about what occurred for me, how I contributed, and how I can learn from that. Yeah. And while I say this, I don't say this where hopefully maybe there's someone that's like, oh, wow, he's incredible. That's not true at all. It's more so like take the time to actively sit down. Take time to be less around things, people, your cell phone, whatever, and just have a conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. When was the last time someone had a conversation with themselves, right? And maybe that sounds like old as fuck, but I don't actively go on social media because it just makes me sad. And because of that, I have a lot of time to myself. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not a video gamer either. And yes, there are video games I play, but I'm not a gamer. And so my friends and I, we talk and whatnot. But whenever I am with myself, which is most of the time, if I'm not reading or if I'm not fucking scrolling through Reddit and whatnot, then I am trying to really think about me and who I want to be, who I want to be with, how I want that person to help me, how I want to help that person. And these aren't fun conversations. But these are conversations I think will help me move forward. Yeah. And who knows if that's actually fucking true, right? That's just what I I think so, too. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. This is, uh, woo, this is more than I expected to share, which I'm very happy about. But I've said to people before, I'm like, I'm an open book. If you start asking me questions, I'm very willing to answer truthfully and honestly. Yeah. That being said, though, I am someone who I'm only going to give you a certain amount of information because I'm not going to give you something that you could actually affect me with and Mm. use against me. Mm. But all that said, I wasn't expecting to share this. Wow. So if someone fucks me, I'm fucked. You know, it is what it is. I don't think that won't happen. That won't happen. But it is something where I'm very cautious about what I say, how other people interpret that's very important to me because I don't want to offend. I want them to know that I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I think it's important to 
know that I am being vulnerable now in a way that I wasn't expecting myself to be. Maybe it's the booze, maybe it's the conversation, or maybe it's cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I just really want to reiterate my thanks to you for being so open. And I feel like that was just very insightful in terms of how you kind of get to the point of deciding this isn't working for me. What I thought was my forever is not going to be the case. And I would really like to kind of dive into the aftermath. And I feel like I'm sure it is a very, very sensitive subject because the aftermath, as I'm describing it, that's actually your current situation. Yes. And what does it look like after you decide to call it quits with someone who you have thought was your life partner? Oh, it fucking sucks. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. And I've said before, hardest thing in my life, and this is also during the pandemic, the aftermath, what it looks like is I am blessed doesn't even say it, right? I am so fortunate to have my sister and brother-in-law and nephew and nephew and my brother-in-law's mom, my own family, my mom, my sister, to just be there so supportive. Mm -hmm. Just like, I'm here for you. Stay with me for as long as you need to. And I've definitely taken advantage of that. I really cannot tell you would have been like without them. Yeah. And so the aftermath is difficult because then it's just thinking a lot about I fucked up. I'm not enough. Just add something that's negative, And that's what I thought. I promise you. With that, then it's also connected to your with family who's constantly saying, no, you're great. Mm -hmm. We love you. We're not doing this just because we're family. We're doing this because we actually care about you. Yeah. You can do good things. You can do great things. You have the ability to do good things. And then it's a matter of, in the pandemic, what does it mean to meet someone new? What does it mean to go on a date? Yeah. What does it mean to reintroduce Tinder into my life? Hinge, yeah. Bumble, Coffee Meets Bagel? That, yeah, that one? Yeah, Coffee Meets Bagel. There, there's one there. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know any of these. And so I get excited. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. And I tend mm-hmm. to embellish because I want other people to get excited too. <laughs> but I tend to think of myself as someone who has a pretty even keeled i have a pretty decent equilibrium about my emotional state yeah that doesn't mean i don't get sad doesn't mean that i don't get stoked what it means is that i'm pretty even so when i get sad i'm not depressed yeah yeah and i would not consider myself someone who's clinically depressed when i am sad because i have talked to people who are clinically depressed i'm like i am not there yeah and therefore like i don't want to act like I'm minimizing what they're going through. Yeah. And when I get like absurdly stoked, I'm not someone who's like, this is the greatest moment of my life. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm someone who's like, this is fucking awesome. I have a great time. And I also recognize that this is life and I am enjoying it. Then the aftermath of going through what I went through starting in November and now, and I can easily say that I was depressed and still to some aspect, it's not natural. Mm. And because it's not natural, People often think that they know what they're going to do given a certain situation. You have no fucking idea. Until you're in it. Until you're in it. That's exactly it. And so I'm constantly thinking about different scenarios always. I think it's really important, at least to me, to think, okay, when I was in the relationship with my significant other and we were good, I would constantly think about what could potentially happen that's bad. And that's not a good thing to think about. That's how I think. And that's with anyone. Friends, family, whoever, best friend. When I constantly think about what could happen that's bad, how would I deal with it? I don't like 
can I do this? That's just what I do. Yeah. And so the way I go about it is, okay, if this happens, then maybe I'll do this. And if I do that, then this game theory, sure. But in any event, because of that, I already planned out what I was going to do if she and I divorced and Wait, left really? each other. I had that planned the moment I said I love you to her. No way. Yeah, straight up. That's how I think. That's how I think about everything. I always think about what's the other outcome. Okay. I mean, that's so interesting to hear. Because yeah, it's no, like, it's not good. Because I also think you are a very romantic and like... No. No? No, I'm really? not. I care. Yeah. And I listen. But uh, romantic, no. I don't think so, at least. I mean, that's also relative and subjective. That is relative. And I guess it's like from an outsider's perspective, you just seem like, like you said, you care. That goes a I long care. way. Yeah. And I see the way you treat your friendships. And I feel like that also is a great way to kind of determine how does someone treat their romantic partnerships. Mm. And I maybe, I don't know, like naively conflated the way you treat your friendships with like romanticism. Mm. Sure. That's so yeah. interesting. I don't think I'm romantic. I care. And if I'm with someone who wants to be romantic, I will try. It doesn't come naturally to me. Going deep in terms of conversation, I mm. love that. Yeah. But in terms of just like, planting out a scenic adventure with roses and all that and i have to i have to actively think about that you know that's yeah. not just something that's like second nature to me interesting yeah and i guess when i say romantic i didn't even necessarily mean that but like mm. i think there's a difference between i wouldn't describe myself as romantic and i was already like planning out the scenario in which we don't end up together even though i believe that this is my person <laughs> in this moment like i feel like there's a middle ground <laughs> there yeah. And this was actually a contentious issue with us at one point with myself and my ex-wife. And I don't know if others knew this, but because I constantly think about the alternatives mm -hmm. always and anything I do, I don't know if I watch too much Marvel and I don't know <laughs> if it's like multiverse or whatever, but because of that, and that's another reason why I've been taken away from the moment. And there's been some contention where I'm transparent with her about this. And she's like, that's not good. And I actually do agree to a certain extent that that's not good because I don't put anything past anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always, quote unquote, ready for shit to hit the fan. Mm -hmm. But then when shit does hit the fan, I'm not fucking ready. Yeah. I try to put myself in situations. Okay, shit hit the fan with us. What am I going to do? I'm going to see if I can live with my sister. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see if it's okay if I therefore a while, truly months. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to see if they're okay with that and what that means for my own mentalness with my own thoughts and whatnot. But just because you're thinking that does not at all mean that you are physically prepared for that to happen. No, that's absolutely the biggest thing. Not. Come to, that's what I've come to realize in this aftermath, that even though second I said I love you to her and that it was real to me, that this is it. That even though I consistently prepare myself for, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I acted on what I was going to do. Just because you prepare does not mean that you're actually prepared. And there's a saying that I heard the other day and I love it. It's the five P's. I'm forgetting it. Hmm. Plan preparation prevents poor performance. Wow. I think that's the saying. That makes and, I, sense. and I loved it. And I was like, that's fantastic. And I had some preparation. 
I still, in my opinion, had poor performance, though. I mean, I feel like the emotions get in the way. Yeah, you, always. You can't plan for your emotions. Yes. You can only plan for a scenario. You can't plan for how you're going to react to it. That's exactly it. And the way I look at that is if you've ever watched Star Trek and Spock, I don't watch a lot of Star Trek, but my mom did. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the Vulcan race and a species, and they're purely logical. <laughs> okay. And so. What makes us human, I think Shakespeare has said this or whatever, but it's the emotions that makes us human. It's not the logic by any means. It's the emotions. And so no matter how much you prepare logically and intellectually, you cannot prepare what the emotion will do to you, no matter what. And that's been, for lack of a better word, fucking me the past few months. Because I really thought to myself, I was in a situation where... I know in four months I'm going to be better. I'm going to be in a better position, blah, blah, blah. No, because no. the emotion is still so raw and yeah. so there. And every single day thinking I'm going to sleep by myself and waking up by myself. And that yeah. is something to grapple with when your identity was, no matter what occurs, we'll get through this. Yeah. I'm thinking long term. I'm waking up next to you. You're waking up next to me. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. I really can't. Yeah, fuck it sucks. It really does. And it's something that I hope no one goes through. Because, you know, in America, 50% of relationships or marriages end in divorce, whatever. You always think you're the exception. The humans tend to think yeah. we're always the exception. And I thought to myself, this was the exception. And I think she thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... At the end of the day, this is something I'm trying to take from this and really believe in. And it's hard to really put into my heart, but really believe that you truly do not know what is going to happen. And because you do not know what's going to happen, that's why it's important to live the life you want to live now. And yes, being Jewish and having friends of mine who have had ancestors of theirs and relatives die in the Holocaust and what have you. And they have that kind of perspective. And having my own family where my dad has passed away when I was very young, and that gives a different perspective, it's still difficult to really live in the moment yeah. and cherish that. Fuck, that's hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> really difficult. Yeah. I feel like it's not something I can speak on, right? Like I haven't had something that's rocked my adult world sure. in that regard. Sure. And yet I can agree with what you just said, that it is hard to live in the moment even without having an experience like that. Yeah. And I appreciate you bringing that up because just really quickly, I tend to not talk about myself a lot in terms of my dad and now my relationship with my ex-wife because I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't mind talking about it, which is why yeah. I'm actually really grateful that you were excited to bring me on because I'm okay talking about it. But when I'm just out with someone, I am, and you'll probably see this, I'm not going to bring it up. Oh my God, yeah. Because I don't want someone to be uncomfortable about totally. it. Totally. I know that feeling. It's slightly different motivations. I've talked about this on the podcast before. And like I've said, again, it's like even in the episode that is coming out this Sunday that I just edited, I remember being like, it's so ironic for me to say this as someone who has a dating podcast. Mm. But my assumption is if you're tuning into this, you're interested. Yeah. I'm not going to assume that everyone I encounter in my day to day life is interested in my life to a deep level. Sure. So I, I think I understand it's a different thing where you're like, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. To an extent, yeah, sometimes it is that for me, but yeah. sometimes it's just like, I don't know, like, do you even care? Yeah. That sounds cynical, yeah. but yeah. it's like, I don't want to just assume and like project all of this stuff onto someone yes. who like 
isn't yes. ready for it, isn't interested in it, yes. isn't like emotionally equipped to handle it for yes. whatever reason. So I get that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think it is valuable. And so I'm glad that it's helpful for you to Thank talk you. through it. Yeah, it is. It's cathartic, like I said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see that. So maybe this is a question that we can't even answer today. Maybe it's something that we all have to answer at a later date. I feel like when you break up with somebody, even if it's like, oh, we were dating for like a couple of months, but I really liked them. It's already hard to get closure. Mm. How do you get closure mm. when this is something that you thought was your whole life? Oh, fuck. Wow. How do you get closure when you thought this was your whole life? I hate to say this, but you kind of don't. Mm. And you kind of have to accept the fact that there will not be closure because your identity is no longer such. And mm. the way that I view this is she and I have had some closure. We've had a conversation about potential future, which we came to an agreement like it's not going to work. And so closure then is really just getting to a point in your own life and saying that chapter has ended. It's on to the next chapter. Mm. And the most difficult thing with that is especially the way that I grew up watching TV and bullshit and social media and all this is you always expect to some extent that person's going to say sorry, that that person mm, fucked yeah, up, that that, that that outside yourself. Yeah. In my situation personally, closure comes from within. And that's probably why it's been so difficult for me because I haven't hit closure. Mm -hmm. It's clear. And this doesn't mean that I won't go on a date. And this doesn't mean mm -hmm. that I won't try to meet someone new. But what this does mean is that there will be baggage. Yeah. And what this does yeah, mean yeah. is that closure, because it's internal and from me, I have to then get to a point in my life where I'm feeling confident enough to say that happened. I'm okay. Yeah. And I don't know how to get to that. At least for now. I don't I, think I think I will. I don't think there's a roadmap. And so I think that's a fair answer. And again, I haven't interviewed someone before who has gone through the full stage, like start to finish sure. divorce. This is over. But what I will say, I had a recent discussion with someone. I don't remember the episode number is very recent. It was 50 something. It was called dating post ghost. And this girl and I discussed the fact that I like we both think that you have to provide your own closure. Yes, that's important. It because, is. You know, like, first of all, even if someone is like willing to give you closure, that's not necessarily the healthy thing to do to give them the power. Yes. Of like, I now grant upon thee closure. It's like yeah. an internal thing you need yeah. to work through yourself. And so it's going to differ for any situation regardless, but especially when it's reliant upon yourself, you just kind of have to listen to whatever your emotions are telling you. And that is how you get the closure over time. And it's, that can be a month, that can be six months, it can be a year, who knows? And you never know. That's the thing. You really never know. But if you're actively working on it and someone who's actively working on it or trying to at least, then you know it will happen. Mm -hmm. It will. And it's just putting yourself in a situation to continue to say to yourself, it will happen, knowing that you don't feel that, mm -hmm. but that it will. Yeah. And having that sort of optimism and hope and belief is vital. Yeah. Because I've had instances in my life with my past girlfriends who would say, I'm I'm sorry. I fucked up and this and that. And at the time I was like, yeah, I'm fucking amazing. Yeah. You did fuck up. It's great. 
and I went back home and I was hanging out with my friends and I was just down. I thought, why am I down? And I realized like I thought I got what I wanted, but I didn't because what I really wanted was acceptance of myself. What I really wanted at the end of the day was for myself to be in a position to say, I have found closure. Now, mm-hmm. this is just great. This is yeah, just cherry on like top. Exactly. The icing on the cake. Yeah. Icing on the cake. And the icing on the cake can happen, but you can never count on it. Just get the fucking you cake. You can't count on it. You can't. God, in the past, I've had people reach out when I'm like, I'm not even thinking about them. And they'd be like, I'm so sorry. Like, you didn't deserve that. And it'd be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but it always happened when I, yeah. I don't care about them anymore. Yeah. What if I had been waiting for this person to apologize? I just exactly. would have made no progress for like multiple years exactly. in some cases. And it goes back to your initial point as well as of uh, this person has power over me. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I hate to think that someone has power over me. Yeah. Yeah. So I love what you said that it's like there's not going to be a neat little bow that you can wrap it, up. Then that's the worst part about it is. And I, even though the next relationship that I get into and I didn't say if, the next, you know, yeah. I'm happy about that. The next relationship I get into, I know that there won't be a neat little bow. But at the same time, it's like how you grew up and how I grew up, at least. It's, I want that neat little bow. Yeah. But knowing that that's not the case, it's like, all right, let's work with what you have and see what can happen. And if shit hits the fan, then it's a matter of, okay, being confident in yourself and knowing that you're not going to get what you want maybe from that person. You do or you don't. Closure, that is. But did you learn from this? Mm-hmm. Did you grow from this? And if so, can you accept that as closure? Mm-hmm. And I'm currently in a position now where I have learned, I do think I have grown, but I have not accepted that as closure. And that's the point I am at right now. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm in a better place. I feel that I'm not nearly as depressed as I was before, but I'm still in the place of, I don't see this as closure. Mm. And if you were to ask me, How do you get that? I have no fucking idea. Maybe time, right? Yeah. Maybe that's just what it is, time. I think that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. that being said, I guess I have to ask, you know, we discussed the fact that it's not if you meet someone else. (laughs) I was lecturing you about this before. I felt like a mom. But I want to respect, obviously, this is a long process. And not knowing what closure looks like, do you have an idea of what it will look like when you think, oh, maybe I am ready to put myself out there. First idea I have is me being me and just being transparent. I'm scared shitless. Mm. I grew up with three women in my life, my mom, my two sisters. So Mm. I'm not afraid to talk to women. That's never been the issue. It's more so about developing something more. Mm -hmm. And so what I think it's going to look like is me, I hate to say this, but for a long time, just having conversations with people and not knowing how to move it forward. Not just because of, oh, I don't have game, but more so about like, I'm very worried the potential of something bad happening. Really? Like bad as in like it doesn't work out? Yeah. When you have an identity about yourself and then someone says to you, no, you're not that, Mm -hmm. that, that is one of the most difficult things to not just comprehend, but then to question yourself about. And this is not for anyone I've spoken with, but just for me, reflecting on it. When I have the identity of I am a husband, I am someone who loves, I love this person. When I am someone who is in this relationship and whatnot, and then that gets taken from you, then it's like, fuck, the next person I'm with, how truthful am I to myself about 
that. When I say to this person, and I've said it early in this podcast, I love you, is it going to be that true? Or is it going to be a little hint of, I love you, but I'm very worried this might not work out. And so I'm going to try to do things where I block myself off. Of course, I'm worried about that. That's on my mind constantly, which is probably one of the biggest reasons why I have not even considered putting myself back onto apps, why I have not even considered reaching out to friends and say, hey, you have any single? Because I'm legitimately terrified of the idea that not only can something, not only can a relationship be built off of it, but that a relationship can, can be destroyed of it. That's really powerful. And I hesitate to say what I'm going to say next, because I have always said, like, this isn't a dating advice podcast. Like, I'm not a fucking expert. I've not studied anything about this. I've just gone on a lot of dates. That's literally (laughs) my expertise. Expert. I like it. So I say this and I'm like, maybe it'll come across as preachy. But one thing I will say is I listened to this podcast and I'm going to name the podcast. I'm going to name the guest because it was so phenomenal. I think it's one of the best podcast episodes I've ever listened to about dating. So it was Girls Gotta Eat. They interviewed Matthew Hussey, who's like a dating coach. Great. Everything about that episode was great. But there was one thing that stood out to me. And he was talking about core confidence. And core confidence to him was where your confidence is not wrapped up in any one thing. Mm. So one thing that stood out to me that you said is that you really wrapped up your identity and like being a husband. Yes. And that makes sense. You know, it's like amazing and so wonderful and beautiful that you put your wife Mm. first as the primary thing of importance in your identity. Mm. But I think having core confidence to him based on his definition, not saying this is any of my idea, is that, you know, you have other things that you can look to that you can say, like, I'm a great person, not because I'm only a husband, but also I'm a great friend. I know a lot about education. I've Mm. helped students in the past. I'm a great uncle. Mm. And I'm saying these are all things specific to you. And that's just off the top of my head. (laughs) So it's like, I understand that. It's like when you're in a relationship and you feel like you're building your life around this, then yeah, that's hopefully going to be one of the primary things that you focus on. But I think just reminding yourself that it's like, that's not your only thing that you have to offer the world. Because then if that one thing ends up not resulting in the way you want it to you have all these other things and you're not like my identity is shattered you're like this one avenue of my identity is something i need to reevaluate but i have these four other avenues of my identity as well that is so fascinating i love the idea of core confidence i've never heard that term before so i really like that it's very difficult for me to remove myself from the identity i saw in who i am what others see of me. What I mean by that is there are a lot of people, you mentioned this, sisters, my brother-in-law, my close friends, and even others who have said great things. But at the end of the day, that core confidence only comes from yourself. And it does not matter what others say unless you believe it. Mm -hmm. And so with all that being said, it's great to hear, but there is a legitimate barrier. And I'm, I don't know how I'm going to actively try to get through this. The barrier of, I intellectually know what you are saying. Mm-hmm. But when you say all these things, whenever you were saying this, my first thought instinctually was, all right, relax. <laughs> no. It's not that great. I'm not that great. I'm what? cool. I don't think I'm horrible. Yeah. I do think I'm cool. I think people enjoy me. But I'm like, all right, relax. I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm this. I'm a solid, I'm 
I'm a solid B. I'm like, cool. I'm all right. I'm, you could have a good time. But oh, my God. That's the worst part. Yeah. Because my own perception of who I am is usually not at all connected with how others see me. And I do think that's been a major issue in my relationships with not just my ex, but with others as well. And they're just like, why do you think this? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. This is what I think. Mm-hmm. So the idea of core confidence is great. Fuck. How do I get there? Matthew Hussey? <laughs> tell me, bro. I'm not going to pretend it's like I listen to him and now I'm 100% confident all the time. Sure. I relate to a lot of what you're saying. It's like I think when I get praise, my mom tells me this all the time. Like she'll say, you're so good at this. And I will always respond with like, that's like really not that hard. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I And get she's it. like, you always it. put yourself down and like, why don't you lean into the things that you are good at? So I feel like I've gotten a little better at it. You sure. Know? Yeah. It's an ongoing thing. It is. But I will it's a say, constant struggle. After I listened to that podcast, it was one of those things where like sometimes you hear, oh, that guest was nice. And then you move on. Yeah. I like immediately followed him on social media. I followed it's his huge. podcast. And yeah, I think he just has really good advice. I'm going to listen to that. I love that it impacted you in that way because I want something where I don't just stop the podcast and go on to the next episode. I want to actively think about it later on. Yeah. Yeah. Key disclaimer, if you have not listened to every episode of Interstates and Heartbreak, do that before yes. you listen to his podcast. 100%. <laughs> don't jump into the podcast. Interstates and Heartbreak. That's the one. I'm getting. I'm getting. But, but not. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, I mean, gosh, I guess it's like in theory. Yeah. When you envision yourself dating, like, what do you envision that looking like? And I think maybe the best way to answer that question is like, let's say you were in the shoes of someone who is dating someone who is going through a divorce. Like, when would you even want them to tell you that? Would you want them to tell you that on date one? Or is it like, whoa, that's too much? Would you oh. want them to be super upfront about it and just get it out of the way? <laughs> I love that. Okay. So first part of the question, I do think I'm ready. But you never mm. really fucking know when you're ready okay, until you're fucking friend. thrown into it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Text right now. I said, what's her name? Uh, no. Um, so I think it's important to put yourself in a situation where you don't think you're ready. You learn. By yes. Being, oh, my God. You yes. learn by being in uncomfortable situations. 100%. Well, uh, a while ago, I was on an interview for a job and mm. I very quickly and I said, I like to put myself in uncomfortable situations in order to grow and to learn and to advance. And which is not fucking true at all. Um, but <laughs> I mean, no one the truth- likes that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we all just recognize the value in it. It doesn't yes. mean you enjoy it in the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that being said, like if someone were to ask me, are you ready? I will always say no. Mm, always. Yeah, yeah. But if you, if we were at a, how much rather have you met Ted? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. if we're like that, I'm going to go for it. Now, for someone going through the situation that I am and what have you, ooh, oftentimes friends and family won't tell you what they're really thinking, mm. which is really <laughs> great in some ways because they love you mm-hmm. to death. Mm-hmm. And I truly mean love you to death because they're willing to put up with your excess bullshit. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm just saying in general, mm-hmm. because they see you as happy. Like, yeah. all right, oh fuck God, this, yeah. Yeah. but you're happy. And so yeah. I think it's important to have open, truly open conversations with your family and friends about, is this right? Yeah. Is this good for me? What do you think? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I do think I am, quote unquote, in a position of being ready. 
but I need to be forced into the position. And mm -hmm. if someone were to ask me, okay, well, I'm currently in a relationship, blah, 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 and I, I don't know what's up, I would just say, have you spoken with your friends and family, but not having them speak to you? Have you asked them questions? Oh, yeah. That was the biggest thing for me. Yeah. I never once, never asked my friends, and I'm very much a person, even though I'm literally talking on podcasts right now <laughs> about my relationship, I am someone who tends to not air my dirty laundry. Yeah, I really absolutely. am. Um, but I never asked my friends and family truly how they felt. And if you trust your friends and family truly, then that's something you should talk to them about. Because at the end of the day, you can be happy. But what is your happiness and its impact on how it's affecting your relationships with others? Because mm, there yeah. shouldn't be an end-all be-all. No. It should be a, I love you, and I also love my sisters, and yep. I also love my family, and I also love my friends, and so forth. And so with all that, she's like, okay, is this relationship going to adversely affect the way that I am with others? And very quickly, I say that because I've started to reconnect with some old friends who I just let go to the wayside mm -hmm. legitimately mm -hmm. and it's difficult conversations and i'm telling them how i am i'm telling them i'm sorry and whatnot and i'm saying all this because i want them to know that yes i've been through shit but i had agency mm. and i consciously knew and i made a decision and so i at the time did not ask you and then during that time i actively did not talk to you and that's a bad friend and so i'm at a position now where i'm trying to say sorry to those people that i've hurt and affected so for those who are out there you are the one that is going to have to ask yep your friends and family you cannot wait because then they will tell you whatever it is that they think you want to hear because they want you to be happy and that's yeah. the best part about friends and family and one of the things that's difficult as well you're so right and as someone who's been in a relationship that wasn't right for me and also wasn't right for him. I'm not just going to be like, I was the victim. I wasn't the victim. Sure. As no victim. I knew that it wasn't right. And I stayed in this relationship. And for him, I'm sure he looks back and he's like, I can't believe I dated her. Like we just weren't aligned sure. in a lot of ways. And I've now, after having that relationship end, had people be like, oh my God, I can't believe you were with him. And I'm just like, fuck you guys. I can't believe you didn't tell me. But yeah, why would you tell me? Yeah. Because yeah. they said like, I mean, yeah, you weren't like crying to us. Yeah, so that's exactly why it. would we come to you and be like, we hate him. Yes. Why would we stir up shit? Mm -hmm. If we see you as happy and to us, all we care about is your happiness. Why are we going to start something? And I have fallen victim to that as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame my family friends because they have nothing to be blamed about. No. It's more so I blame myself for not actively mm -hmm. seeking out their thoughts yeah and that is important because again nobody's in a vacuum no what you do is going to have an impact on others and therefore have an impact on others and so all of that said to anyone out there who's in something a relationship or not or thinking about it or whatever it is ask your friends and family difficult questions and make sure they answer honestly yeah you might not like the answer true but it's better to get it in the moment than it's like oh we have two kids yes <laughs> like wow can i not agree with that yeah. yes yeah so better get ahead of it always i mean i feel like this conversation will be ongoing between us yes. on the podcast it could literally last like six hours <laughs> yeah. but i wanted to kind of wrap up with a few like rapid fire they probably won't be that rapid because okay. i don't want you to like hold back on any thoughts okay. that you have but i would love to hear like how your Thoughts on these things have like maybe been impacted sure. by your experience. Okay. And just like your general like opinion. So 
The first question I have is obviously the topic of divorce isn't sexy in general, but from a logistics and legal perspective, I feel like there's so many things you'll never know about until you kind of go through it without airing your dirty laundry too much or like, you know, putting anything on blast. Are there any elements that have been particularly trying or particularly surprising that maybe you never would have known about? Yes. We bought a house together. We have two dogs together. There's a car. There are things in the house. I would say the biggest thing that you don't realize is that when you're in a relationship with someone, but you're not married with them, you can just be like, all right, peace out. If we have to leave the apartment, I'll lose my deposit, whatever. That's not that big of a deal. But when it comes to these other things, it does not matter truly. If you two do or do not come to an agreement, you have to go before or at the very least, submit your documents before a judge. Mm, And so that in and of itself is massive. And so, yes, it is not, there are things that you don't realize that are important. Like, oh yeah, we don't always talk about, we have to split everything half and half. But then when you're going through shit, you realize like, all right, if I need to protect myself, I need to go through every single thing I purchased. Fuck. And that could be years. And we don't even have kids. Yeah. Can't imagine what it's like to have kids. Truly. I, yeah. Fuck I that. Really and I feel so, I have so much empathy for kids having to go through that. I can't imagine because yeah. I haven't been through that. Yeah. Especially if you have young kids. Oh, yeah. Kids who are young, but old enough to yep. understand kind of what's happening yep. to a degree. Yep. That rocks them for life. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That transitions really well into my next question. Given your experience, how do you currently feel about the idea of prenups? Oh, I'm a huge fan of prenups. I am someone who believes to my core, you cannot put pa- put anything past anyone, mm-hmm. truly. And I've said this many times to all of my exes. And I've said this to all of my friends. And I know many disagree, but I'm someone who says, look, I don't think my mom would kill anyone. There's a reason. <laughs> and if she's in a situation and she does, I'm not putting it past her. And that's just an example, okay? Yeah. And so with that, prenups to me is just, it's not about love. It's not no. about marriage. What it's about is saying, I don't know what's going to happen because you cannot fucking predict. I thought I had my wife for the rest of my life. Yeah. I thought my life was set out. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I was going to get a better job. We were going to get some kids, maybe a cat. Who the fuck <laughs> knew, right? Why not? And so because of that, now I think because you don't know what's truly going to happen, and that's kind of the joy of life as well, then a prenup to me is just practical. It removes love and money from the situation. Yeah. And I said this to her. I grew up low income. I grew up with not much of anything. And I'm not saying that I was absurdly poor. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that like comparatively to some other of my friends, I grew up low income. Mm-hmm. And so with that, having dated someone who I'm not saying is rich, but has more I said to her, you should protect yourself. Mm-hmm. She's like, why? Would you fuck me over? I was like, no. I said, but we never know what's going to happen. Yeah. If shit hits the fan and I need to protect myself, if I need to fuck you over, which not happening, but if I need to, I would. Because who knows? You have no idea. Did we know COVID-19 was going to fucking happen? No. In 2020? No fucking way. And so prenups to me are just pure practicality. It has nothing to do with a relationship. Yeah, that's the game theory speaking. But I say that I say that saying I agree. 
Oh, okay. I'm a big prenup so you do fan. Agree. Yeah, 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 totally yeah. right. And it's like I thought about prenups literally when I was fully single, and yeah. I was just like, even before I bought my condo, I was just like, I don't have any fucking debt. I don't want to take on any in California. Yes. If you marry someone, yes. you have to take on half of their debt. Yep. That they occurred like in yep. incurred before they met you. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Indeed. Ridiculous. Yes. And so I'm glad that you say that because there's this whole idea like, oh, prenup removes the remote romance. And it makes it so that fuck that protect yourself and hopefully never come to that. But if it does, yeah. you protected yourself. Yeah. And I also I'm like, if you really believe that the relationship is solid, then someone shouldn't be offended because then it's like you hopefully never even have to revisit the prenup. Preach. Just preach. That's exactly that is a, a core belief of mine. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, same page. Cool. Next question. Do you believe or do you not believe if a relationship needs counseling before you even make it to the engagement stage? Is it doomed or is it a chance that it can work out or even be stronger? I am a firm believer that everyone and anyone can benefit from counseling. And I don't just mean purely formal counseling in which you find a therapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, whoever. I do also mean that if you just have a friend who's able to listen and just let you vent and let you talk. And so with all of that, I think there is only a benefit, truly, yeah. that comes with that. And I tell my students this, I tell my friends this, I tell my family this. And being someone who hasn't actively practiced this myself, because it's easier to do as I say, not as I do type of thing. I, I have aired out my grievances and my thoughts to my sisters, to my brother-in-law, to my best friends and what have you. And they've been incredibly supportive. And so I think it's not doomed at all. I truly believe that you're going through the thought process of this can help. Mm -hmm. And maybe it can shed some light on this isn't working. And I'm someone who's thinking if you're offended by that, then maybe you don't have the confidence that someone else, an outsider, can actually help. That to me scares me. Why are coaches so big nowadays? Mm. I listened to a podcast the other day, Against the Rules by Michael Lewis. Love him. Great mm -hmm. author. And he, one of his seasons and episodes is all about coaches. And coaches have blown up recently. Mm. Career yeah. coaches, life oh coaches, yes. everything, everything. And so why do people have coaches? Because coaches have an outside perspective that can help you with something, that can see something that you cannot see yes. or cannot think. And so with all that, the way I view counseling, it's just a coach. Mm. They're going to be like, all right, yo, you have a great shot. You can hit some threes. You can serve free throws. But actually, it's better for you to pump fake. Actually, it's better for you to toss the ball out, drive and kick, whatever it is. That's a coach, right? And so I don't think it's doom. I actually think it's a pure benefit. But there are clearly people who think if I can't get through this myself, then if we have to go to a counselor, it's doomed. Yeah. I just don't agree. I agree. And I'm saying this is someone who has wanted to find a therapist. And I think historically, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, would you ever go to therapy? I'd be like, hell no. Same. Like, what a failure, blah, blah, blah. Same. I'm glad you used the coaching analogy because even in one of my former episodes, I interviewed a matchmaker and she likened it to hiring a personal trainer. No one would look at someone who hires a personal trainer and be like, wow, what a little bitch. You know? <laughs> I love but. And it's like literally the same yeah, thing yeah. where it's like, oh, this person is a professional yeah. and can take me to the next level. I don't have time to plan out my workouts and do blah, blah, blah. I think it's like it's not the same, but it's similar, right? Where sure. it's like you're just hiring a professional in the case of matchmaking to it's like, 
oh, I'm going to outsource this yes. because I care about it. Yes. It's not because I'm incapable. Yes. It's because I'm extra invested actually. And so it's like, it should be seen as an admirable thing. And I think coaching is the same thing. Professionals go out and get coaches themselves to get better. Yeah. So it's clearly something that's going to benefit you. I cannot agree more. Mm -hmm. But then when you're also in the situations and you said, I've been looking for therapists, I have as well. Mm -hmm. My friends have sent me names. I still haven't. And it's still difficult to take that first step yourself. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I literally got like a, oh my God, the annoying thing. And this is going to make me sound so lame. I literally get 10 free therapy sessions through work. Oh, that's a lot. It is it's a lot. It's a good amount. And yeah. now I'm in a position where I'm like, you better use these. Yes. The year is more than halfway over. So I got a list. Okay, uh, good. It, we're working on it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The podcast is therapy, but it's like, that's not enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. So we kind of talked about this before. Is there ever a stage in a relationship where it's too late for a friend to express concerns? And I would say, assuming it's not like an immediate deal breaker, like anything where like, oh, your partner's cheating on you or they're abusive mm. emotionally or physically. Mm. It's never too late. And the reason I say that is because if they're a friend of yours, and they're going to be a friend of yours for a while, and therefore it's never too late, right? The only time it's too late is when you're dead. Wow. That's just what I truly believe. Because at the end of the day, again, if this is YOLO, we're only living once, right? Uh, you only live once. Then it's something to be said of, yeah, this may have taken a long time, but I still believe that there's something of a future for you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm talking to you. Yeah. And this has nothing to do with my friends or family. But I do wish that I talked to them years ago mm -hmm. and actually asked them difficult questions because I probably could have saved some time in terms of relationship. Who knew? I can't tell you, right? But no, it's never too late because the only time it's too late is when you cannot do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, unless you're mentally disabled, unless you're physically disabled, or unless you're dead, you can do something about it. If you're of an income, sure. But all of that being said, no, you, it's never too late, right? There's always a time to make change. Yeah. I love that growth mindset. You have to have that. Otherwise, then why the fuck are you living? Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, and I'm not saying this like, oh, you're sounding suicidal. No. <laughs> I truly believe that if you don't have some type of growth mindset, then you should be reevaluating. What do you want? Mm -hmm. If you're not actively thinking about what you want and where you want to be, then what is the purpose? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. I don't know. Why? Yeah, there is no purpose. There is no purpose otherwise. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The next question I have is, how do you feel about the phrase when people are like, when you know, you know, <laughs> as it relates to meeting your lifelong partner? <laughs> 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 I've never been asked this. I tend to agree and disagree. The agreements I have with that is there's a certain feeling that you get. And feelings, as we've said before, that's what makes us human. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, when you know, you're like, all right, this is something different. But we tend to, we mean humans, tend to attribute things and create patterns that aren't actually there. Oh, yeah. And so the whole thing of when you know, you know, could be just, oh, my God, I had a great day. And then I went on to a date and the date was great. Yeah. And then I left and we had a great texting thereafter. And all these things in your life have just come and the stars have aligned and everything is working out. And, you know, it's the uh, when you know, you know, no, 
What if you had a bad day and you had a great date? What does great mean in that context? It's totally skewed. Exactly. And so my thing is like, yes, there is something to be said of when you know a feeling, listen to that feeling, but don't think that that feeling is end all be all. That doesn't mean don't, what's the expression, the uh, leap of faith. That doesn't mean don't do that because leap of faith are important, but it does mean to think through this. Mm -hmm. Why are you thinking this way? If you're doing great in your job, if you're having great friends, if you're in a happy place, is that the reason why it was great? Or are you in a shit place and you have a decent date and you're like, maybe this date was actually better if I was in a better mindset. Yeah. So it's not that you know when you know. One of my core times in life is context is everything. Every, it's life to me. It everything. Is. Context is key. Yep. I agree. Okay, so the last question I have, and you can relate to this to your personal situation or in general. Okay. Do you believe that you can reach a point where you are truly platonic friends with an ex who you used to be in love with? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. My current ex, no. Okay. Because of how I am now. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that years from now, I can be. My past exes, though, I think so. And I think that's the case because. I tend to have a lot of conversations about how we are, how our core personality is throughout our life. Are we who we are from when we're born, or at least year two, when we're developing who we are, to now and to later on? And I tend to think that people can change. Mm -hmm. Your coreness of who you are tends to be there. But that doesn't mean that you can't think differently or act differently or change in some aspect. And so, therefore, I do think that you can be completely platonic with past exes, but I caveat with that is time needs to pass. And that time doesn't mean X amount. What it really means is what happened in that time. Yeah. So I could not be before my current ex right now, my last ex, I could not be friends with her at mm -hmm. the time being. And she yeah. knew that. Yeah, yeah. But then when I got with my new who's not my current ex, then I felt, of course, I can be platonic with her because the feelings are never not there, but the feelings are so insignificant that it has no impact on me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it is possible, but just know you, self-awareness is everything, and know that it takes time to recognize how you're going to feel when you're with that person. Yeah. And so right now with my current ex, I know me. And I know that the next time I see her, I'm going to be pissed. Mm. I'm going to be anxious. And I'm also going to be sad. And so I know that with all those feelings, clearly a platonic relationship is not... Not in the cards immediately. Not in the cards. Exactly. But maybe later on, not even with someone else, maybe later on, I will no longer be as pissed, yeah. as anxious, and as sad. And maybe something platonic can happen. Just know yourself. Yeah. Be self-aware everything well i have to say this was so amazing <laughs> i really can't overstate how grateful i am for you being so vulnerable this is a tough conversation i truly appreciate you letting me talk about this and it took a while for me to actually text you mm -hmm. and to have a conversation i know that you've been wanting to but you've been gracious enough to give me my space and so it's something to where i felt was not just important 
for me, but important for me in the future, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Listening back and being like, I was able to talk about this yeah. to a, an audience that I don't know that well. Yeah. So, so thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This was great. I've been very anxious mm-hmm. and very much looking forward to this. And mm-hmm. it definitely exceeded expectations. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I had high expectations. So Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, it exceeded my expectations Damn. for sure. I'm surprised. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for everything. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.